Radio Drome. It is Radio Drome once again. As always, I am here. Unfortunately, as always, I am Swade Alex, Marquis de Swade. Brad is out this week. He is actually at a Ninja the Mission Force Season 2 premiere. It's funny, last week on Geek Juice Radio, Brad was in for Charlie McMullen, so it's kind of funny that Charlie McMullen's in for Brad on Radiodrome this week. Karma, mofo. Go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME. Alex, take it! You will get three free DVDs and (gasps) a free mystery gift and free shipping in the United States and 50% off the first item. There you go. Wonderful. Don't worry, sperm. I'll get you out of there. All right. Now, tonight's topic is we're going to talk about the worst movies of all time. Let me rephrase that. We're going to talk about the Wikipedia definition of the worst movies of all time, which, according to them, is taken from numerous sources and RottenTomatoes.com and, unfortunately, a huge amount of MST3K movies. I think most of this list is bullshit. Some I of, don't. Most of these are bad movies. Worst? I don't think so. Well, I'll I mean, you on it because the title of the Wikipedia article is "List of Films Considered the Worst." It's not like Wikipedia said these are the worst films ever. It's like, okay, these movies show up on a lot of lists and they have a bad reputation. So these are movies that are notoriously bad. That plus, every, it's, like, it's Wikipedia, and they don't have like a like a sterling reputation for accuracy. So take it all with a big grain of salt. Charlie, this is the same Wikipedia that considers Death Wish two. Only Death Wish 2 of that franchise. And Dude, Where's My Car as popular cult films. Uh. The reason I'm using the Wikipedia list is I do see these movies, as Alex pointed out, popping up over and over and over again. So we're going to actually kind of debate whether these are really that bad or if there are far, far worse movies. Now, I'm going to say this right up front. Alex wanted me to use the IMDb bottom 100 list. That list is... As th- that list is far more bullshit. Literally, they took almost every single film that's ever appeared on Mystery Science Theater and just put it on that list. Well, that's just, that's just lazy writing is what that yeah, is. Yeah, they're not even trying. I mean, every other movie on that list, I'm like, that was Mystery Science Theater. That was a Mystery Science Theater. That's a Mystery Science Theater. I'm starting to see a pattern here, people. Well, the IMDb list is based off of users' votes. And, and users are idiots. Well, the MST films are notoriously bad, but they are popularly bad. People know of those movies. And it actually, for a long time, the top four or five on the IMDb list were movies nostalgia critic had reviews. Like, the Titanic musical was up there forever. Titanic animated one was up there forever, but now they've got disaster movie as the worst movie ever. So they have uh, they have Salman Rushdie's The Titanic versus. All right, so we're gonna do these chronologically. Let's start in the 1950s. Glen or Glenda by the famous Ed Wood. Now this movie is bad, no doubt. On the other hand, Bela Lugosi's goddamn awesome in this. I disagree that this is a bad movie. It's a poorly made movie. But bad movie indicates apathy, just lackluster direction, just no effort being put into it at all. And Ed Wood worked his ass off on this movie. I've seen Glenn or Glenda. I watched it multiple times. When I was in film school, I wrote a whole, like, close to a 50-page term paper on Ed Wood. I, I watched Glenn or Glenda many times. And while it's it's a poorly made movie, I, I can't call it a bad movie because a lot of love went into it. Do you agree that Bela Lugosi is goddamn awesome, even though he has no real purpose in the film? I sure as hell do. Glenn or Glenda is the worst Christian Jorgensen biopic ever. 
That's because it's not, even though that's it what was... it was originally meant to be. Yes, I know. Look, but, we no, could do I... a whole show on Jorgensen biopics. I think it's it's a terrible movie. It's laughably bad, but and Bella Lugosi is awesome if his scenes were in another movie. Mistakes made. A story must be told. Yeah, if you was if if you put those scenes in Puppet Master, it totally makes Bella Lugosi even better. But in this movie, it it brings him down. Or a tampon commercial. Well, and then then we move on to 1953 as well. Robot Monster. This is the one that most people aren't wouldn't recognize it even if I went through the plot. They're going to know it for the gorilla costume with the space helmet on with a skull inside. And all yep. the bubbles. And, and the bubble machine, yes. It's bad, but I think it was kind They knew what they were making. I don't think this is like Glenn or Glenda where they were trying to make real high art and just failed. I think they knew they were making just a terrible movie for a Saturday matinee. I don't know. I, I, I think the 1950s is a little uh, before the the dawn before the genesis of self-aware irony i i think i think someone really was trying to make a movie i don't know i mean it, it's it's tough to tell without you know reading up on it and talking to the people that were involved who have probably all died by now i'll say but yeah it was it was not a good movie yeah it's not a good movie i think it was just laziness on their part of like okay let's just get a robot name him roman and kids will watch this all right, then we will move on to... I haven't seen this movie since I was a kid, but I know this movie is as bad as its reputation. 1956's The Conqueror, starring John Wayne as Genghis goddamn Khan. I'm Susan sorry. Hayward has a Mongolian princess. Funded by Howard Hughes. It was so ineptly made, it literally gave the cast and crew cancer. Because they shot the whole movie. Now, I'm, I really I haven't been to Utah enough to know if Utah really can double for Mongolia. But they shot the movie in Utah, right downwind from a nuclear testing range in Nevada. So yeah. it, it literally gave the whole cast and crew cancer. Purportedly, Hughes felt guilty about that. And it was the last film that Hughes ever produced. I've never seen the the Conqueror. I now that you're telling me John Wayne plays Genghis Khan, I I would love to see it. You, you've never heard of this this epic, epic ass failure? Oddly enough, no. I w- I would love to see this though. It's it's bad. It's it's really bad. Because Although... John Wayne, John Wayne, you know he's not an actor of great range to begin <laughs> with, right? <laughs> So to have him, he basically plays Genghis Khan the same way he always played the cowboy captains he played. And it doesn't work, man. No, but John Wayne as Genghis Khan is not as bad as John Wayne as a Roman centurion in The Greatest Story Ever Told. Oh, where he's now, like, we're, now we're talking. that was a son of God. Yep, <laughs> that was the son of God. Yeah, uh-huh. now, now we're talking. But I mean, Howard Hughes, he was not sane in the traditional sense uh so i think it it just it, based on what you guys have told me it makes a lot of sense and so then we 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 end out the 1950s with i love this film maybe just like charlie said before it's ineptly made i cannot respect someone who does not love plan nine from outer space i absolutely love this movie on every level 
Yes, take everything I said about Glenn or Glenda and extrapolate it by a hundred percent. I mean, this is you. You can just feel how much how much fun Ed Wood was having when you watch the movie, and and you can see he was really trying too. He really was. And I don't know if that's a sad statement about Ed Wood that this was the best he was able to do while really trying. But well, it's because he went to that bar and met Orson Welles. That, that gave didn't him the motivation. We, that really he sounded just like Maurice LaMarche. It was nuts. We discussed that last week, you hack. Plan 9 is the perfect great bad movie. Because nobody can defend it as not being a bad movie. But I don't think anyone can legitimately attack it for being an unfun movie. No, I don't think anybody can. I mean, I would. This just, this proves a point that I've held a very long time now. I would rather watch a poorly made movie that somebody cared about than a billion dollar Michael Bay crap fest that people just did for the paycheck. Yeah, the the big difference being that Ed Wood's heart was in it. Yeah, his exactly. heart was in the right place. He may have been technically incompetent, but he was trying. Goddammit, he he wanted it. But even even today, people do not appreciate Plan 9. I mean, just just recently, last year, Rift Tracks, with the hundreds of movies that they've done, they did a poll of what people considered the worst movies that they've ever done. And Plan 9 was voted the 23rd worst film ever. Yeah, Twilight was number one. But, but, but that just says to me that, I mean, has Plan 9 been lost to this generation? Do they not get it? Because, I mean, true story, when I showed this to my brother, my brother did not see this until he was in his late 20s. I showed him Plan 9. He didn't realize it was a real 50s film. He actually said that is the most brilliant parody of a 50s movie he's ever seen. <laughs> this is way I don't know if that's good or bad, I don't know <laughs> if that's good or bad. I really couldn't tell you, man. I mean, I think it's all, you know, irony is in the eye of the boulder. I, I don't know. I think that the current generation might have missed the boat on this. Oh, into the self-aware stuff anyway. Yeah, it's it's a different audience that's... So they're, uh, they're expecting self-aware comedy. They're expecting scary movie out of it. Yeah, they're not, they're not used to sincerity being this funny. All right, since that ended out the 1950s from 1959, Noah, I'll admit... I'm not going to be doing a lot of defending of our next five entries here from the 60s, because these are all pretty bad movies. First, we start with the is n- not really much more than a silent film, 1961's The Beast of Yucca Flats, starring Tor Johnson. Now, I love Tor Johnson. I own a rabbit named Tor Johnson. Okay? <laughs> I have a lop rabbit that I've named Tor Johnson because I love Tor Johnson. On the other hand, this movie is terrible, and it was so bad. They couldn't even afford sound equipment, so they just recorded the whole movie without sound and added narration later. This movie, to me, is hard to sit through. Okay, Beast of Yucca Flats is bad, yeah, but if you're going to bring up Coleman Francis, Beast of Yucca Flats is not as bad as Night Train to Mundo Fine, which isn't on this list. Uh, I'll, I'll agree that... The Beast of Yucca Flats is, is awful, but I, I appreciate it for what it is. I, I'm happy anytime Tor Johnson gets work. All right, well, then we move on to this film I have trouble sitting through. Uh, I, I even had trouble sitting through the Mystery Science Theater version of 1962's Ega. Ega is god-awful. This one I will not fight being on this list at all. I love Ega. 
You Archel Jr.'s got his musical numbers, and they're riding around the desert in their, their car with the water tires, and you've got Jaws as a caveman eating shaving cream. It's it's fun. I, I did not see Iga. All right, well, then that, that's a good endorsement. So It's it's public domain. We might do a... <laughs> we might do a live new geeks on it. Right on. All right, then we move on to 1964. Now, I can't deny that parts of this movie are so hilarious even though they're meant to be sincere and that is santa claus conquers the martians i love this film and i despise this film the film is hard to sit through at the same time when the man in the polar bear costume comes out and starts harassing the kids (laughs) i crack the hell up every goddamn time it's got the worst like concept i mean like why is santa going to mars because mars needs santa oh that guy cracks me up all the time i i like santa claus conquers the martians the same way i liked christmas evil it's i don't know i i like it for the wrong reason but i'd like it for those that haven't heard our live nude geeks i believe you summed up christmas evil as a 90 minute set off to set up to a 10 second joke right Exactly, and that's 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 how I will always see it. But it was worth it for that ten seconds, wasn't it? Totally worth it. All right, then we move on to 1965's Monster Agogo, directed by Wisconsin native Bill Rabane. I can't defend Monster Agogo. I just can't. I wish I could, but the film is really poorly made, and I'm not sure if it's Rabane's fault because he had next to no budget. Alex, try to defend Monster Agogo. No, I won't. It's it's good. <laughs> I'll defend Horror Party Beach before I'll defend Monster Gogo. Uh, I can tell you that Monster Gogo is not Rebane's worst movie. I mean, Troma owns the rights to a, a couple of them that I think are worse than Monster Gogo, but that doesn't make it good. All right, then we move on to, and I f- have a feeling Alex will be defending this, 1966's Manos, The Hands of Fate, a movie <laughs> that I dare someone to try and sit through without Joel and the bots riffing over it. We'll watch this movie any day of the week without it being riffed on because I love Manos, the Hands of Fate. Charlie, why did I know that was going to be the response? Uh, because it's tattooed on his forehead backwards so he can see it in the mirror. Ugh. You know, like you got all those bad movies that are shooting day for night? Well, Hal P. Warren says, F that, we're going to shoot night for night scenes. But it's really, um, his heart was in the right place. He's trying to make this movie... The guy that plays Torgo made his own costume. Everyone was real motivated, but it's really a example of what can go wrong with a film. I mean, you have all those scenes of the teenagers in the car because the guy broke his leg, and so the director had to come up with something. You know, there's a lot of, you know, it's a learning experience, and he learned that filmmaking's not for him, but he tried. <laughs> and it's, it's so, classically memorable. Are you actually trying to compare... The he tried of Manos to the he tried of Plan 9? Yeah. I mean, Ed Wood already had experience, so Ed Wood was just really incompetent. This guy had no experience and was incompetent, but, you know, he had the passion and realized that, you know, he'd be better off just selling cow crap. He had the passion. I won't disagree with that. Um, Manos is like playing paintball against a really fat guy. There's no challenge in it, but it's a good time. All right, well, then we I mean, go... the opening credits are brilliant. There are no opening credits. Yeah, you know why? Because they he forgot, forgot to, to put write them in. Them. That's why you have all those long shots of nothing, because there were supposed to be credits there. 
I think that's more like an AA situation. Like, don't worry, and, we won't embarrass you. <laughs> but there's a guy that's, uh, that got the original film prints, and he's putting out that HD Blu-ray re-release of it based on the original 35mm print. I, I, I gave a good deal of money to that Kickstarter. Of course you did. I'm getting a free copy when it's done. Well, it's not really free if you paid for it, is it, moron? And it's even less free after you watch it. I helped make <laughs> art history, okay? All right, then we move into the 1970s. Now, I'm not sure what to think of this next film. I've never read the book by Gore Vidal, but Myra Breckenridge is one of those movies that if you have not seen it, you have to. It is both awful and amazing simultaneously. Because first of all, I cannot believe that this film got made in 1970. This film was a good 30 years ahead of its time for content, and and I think that, I hope I'm right thinking it was made as a satire. I might be wrong there. Oh, Myra yeah. Breckenridge is a movie that has to be seen to be believed. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, my my own personal period of film history is the is the mid 90s, but a lot of people think of the 70s as this big renaissance for film. And I think Myra Breckenridge represents a lot of that. I mean, just in terms of tone, you know, content, vibe, it's, I don't know, it's not a good movie, but it gives you a feeling that you just can't get from movies now. Well, I mean, first of all, you've got Raquel Welch looking hot as hell, playing oh, a dude, bending over a Pat Boone looking guy, and sodomizing him with a huge strap on. Right. How did you get away with this in 1970? Well, it was initially rated X, but they appealed, and the NPA said, all right, then, R. But it's just one of those, this is a movie I don't understand having the vitriolic hatred it has. Even upon initial release, even today, critics hate the movie. Raquel Welch hates the movie. Oh, yeah. And it was fact, such it was such a bane on director Michael Sarney that he actually and I don't know how truthful this is, but Gore Vidal told the tale twice. It was so fitting that by the mid seventies, Michael Sarney actually was working as a waiter in a pizza restaurant because of how much damage this movie did to his career. He became literally unhirable in Hollywood. Myra Breckenridge, I would I I compare that to the Who's Tommy. It's just such a weird, surreal thing that it just gives you a feeling that you can't get any other way. Commentary on the DVD has one of the best self-aware moments ever. Raquel Welch's very first words, I can't believe I agreed to be in this. <laughs> that sums um, it up right there. Yeah. The reason I watched Myra Breckenridge was when I was in film school, that movie Mouse Hunt came out, directed by Gore Verbinski. I confused Gore Verbinski and Gore Vidal for a while. <laughs> And then later he confused Gore Vidal with Vidal Sassoon. And I, we should note that Gore Vidal, and now I've never read the book, so I don't know how much it deviates from the book. Gore Vidal, who wrote the book, said that this is, and I don't know what he considers the first one, the second worst film of all time is Myra Breckenridge, made from his novel. Yeah, he's just like, I, I didn't write that, did I? So now the next one... I'm going to have to defer to you guys. I have never seen 1975's At Long Last Love by Peter Bogdanovich. So I, I like have to, Bogdanovich. to set this one out. I'm not sure I have either. I, remind me, Jowski, have you seen this? No, but I kind of want to because I like Bogdanovich. And then we've got 
Sybil Shepherd and Burt Reynolds, and it's a musical with all the songs by Cole Porter. I mean, it sounds like it could actually be, has potential. Oh, yeah, I remember this now. I did not see this, but I, I remember hear, hearing about it. Oh, wait. I don't know, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Peter Bogdanovich at all. Wait, oh, wait, we have Burt Reynolds singing Cole Porter yeah. songs. Oh, now it sounds bad. Right. <laughs> this This next film, Heaven's Gate, I will say is one of the worst of all time and is not. The theatrical cut is a horrendously bad, inept piece of crap. The director's cut, while still being massively overlong, is a pretty goddamn good movie. Isn't that director Michael Cimino? Yes, that is Michael Cimino. Yeah, I actually haven't seen it, though. But I like Deer Hunter. I love Deer Hunter. I've never seen Heaven's Gate, though. This Heaven's Gate is actually a Western about land grabs. And so they didn't they didn't name themselves after this movie? No. Because I'm totally gonna make an Ishtar cult someday. Well no no <laughs> no he, here's the thing. The the cut of the film that Chimino turned in was almost four hours long. That that's the, that was his final cut of the film. The studio cut it down to almost two hours. So you can see why the theatrical cut kind of a disaster when you lost half the picture. It, it bankrupt United Artists. They 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 got sold out to MGM because they were broke after the forty four million it cost to make that movie. Yeah, and it only brought in three and a half million dollars theatrically. But again, what do you expect when you? When, I mean, the theatrical cut makes no sense whatsoever. But I know Brad likes this movie. Then we go into another one I got to defer on. I have not seen 1981's Inchon. Well, I'm pretty sure nobody's seen Inchon. Isn't that a line in the Cinema Snob movie? There, well, someone actually says, nobody's seen Inchon. Yes. Well, hmm. that, th- th- then let's move on to 1981's Mommy Dearest, starring Faye Dunkley. <laughs> I love that movie. No more wire hanger. No wire hangers! What's wire hangers doing in this closet when I told you no wire hangers ever? Work and work till I'm half dead and I hear people saying she's getting old. What do I get? A daughter! Who cares as much about the beautiful dresses I give her? And she cares about me! I love the movie, too, because Faye Dunaway, I swear she... Her, they replaced her brain. She became Joan Crawford in that movie. Yeah. After I, after I watched this movie, I went out and started watching every Joan Crawford movie I could find. I watched Mommy Dearest immediately followed by Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. She became, like, my favorite actress. And although every movie I watched her, and I'm like, you know, after they shot this scene, she went and beat the hell out of her kid. Mommy Dearest was traumatizing to me on on multiple levels. Did you, did you like Wire Hangers? Uh, yeah, I loved Wire Hangers. They didn't take up as much space in the closet. They, uh, they, didn't, get, they didn't snag and wrinkle your shirts. I love Wire Hangers. The hell with you. But apart, <laughs> apart from that, my, uh, this was in the early days of my uh, parents getting divorced. So I was getting propaganda about one parent from the other. And then I saw Mommy Dearest. And it's just because my, my whole view on the parental dynamic is messed up. And then I watched that. That's not going to help things. No. All right. Then we move on to 
Oh my God, this film I cannot sit through even today on an ironic hipster level. Leonard Part 6. I unironically like Leonard Part 6, and I'll tell you why. Most of the movie is just god-awful, but what saves it for me and makes it really enjoyable, and, and actually, speaking of my parents, I actually bonded with my dad over this movie. We both love it. The scene with Roddy McDowell's George Patton speech, the General Patton speech where he's, like, suiting him up with all this weird gear, like all these freaky weapons, and he's just going off. He's like, do not fire until you see the whites of their eyes. Okay, Bill Cosby wrote, produced, and starred in this train wreck, and, and some some on-set stories are he was basically armchair directing as well. So this was a Bill Cosby vehicle through and through. I respect the hell out of Bill Cosby for not not pulling a Joss Whedon and trying to go, oh, it's everyone else's fault why that movie I was so heavily involved in sucked. Bill Cosby just came out and said, I don't know what the f*** was the matter with me. This, this movie's terrible. He told people before it opened, don't go see the Leonard Part 6. Nobody took him seriously at that. They all thought it was like an anti-campaign, like like a reverse psychology. Yeah. And oh, like just, Richard Pryor and Brewster's Million saying, "Don't vote for anybody." Yeah, kind of like that. But I, I liked Leonard Part Six. I mean, there was a, it was really inventive. You got to admit. I mean, it was poorly executed, but it was such an out there idea that I had to appreciate it at least on that level. You got to remember, I was 12 years old when this movie came out in theaters. I really was went to the video store and was asking for Leonard Parts One through Five so I could catch up before I went to go see this in the theater. I like, somehow thought I missed five Bill Cosby movies. Yeah, I don't know. I I like it only for the re- for that 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 General Patton speech by Roddy McDowell, but I really liked it. I've actually never seen it. So. Oh wow! Yeah, that's I know Brian Lewis loves it. He's still got a factory sealed VHS. He's just waiting until someday he meets Bill Cosby to autograph. Nice militant vegetarians. That's all you need to know about that movie. Now we got a film that is notoriously bad, and it is bad. And mm-hmm. it is bad for all the reasons that it is purported to be, but I don't think, I think there are far worse that could have been on this list, even from this year, and that is Jaws the Revenge. That's a, f- I can't even pretend to defend this movie. Alex? Nope. I liked it when I was nine. Michael Caine, he'd gotten the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor in Hand and Her Sisters, but he couldn't go to the ceremony to get to the award. Because he was on the Jaws the Revenge set. Where he does not retain water, literally. Yeah, no. he, he goes swimming, then he comes out dry. I like the fact that the that the shark not only has met, has lots of mechanical equipment in its throat, because you can see it constantly, but it and goes when it comes out of the water. Mm-hmm. And apparently sharks explode when you ram them with ships. And he's like I, a magical shark that's out for vengeance, and he goes from New York to the Bahamas in like three days. Well, yeah, he's faster than an airline. Yeah. I think, uh, shark? I, th- I think Jaws the Revenge jumps the shark on no fewer than two levels. Well, and then we move on to, I will make no attempt to defend this movie because I couldn't stand it when I was 12, and I actually hate it even more now that I get more of the jokes. And I, the word jokes are in parentheses there. Garbage Pail Kids, the movie. I don't know, man. This one is, is kind of weird because it is a god-awful movie, and I'm not going to defend it on that. But it, it does remind me of childhood because my friends and I, we all we collected the cards. We watched this movie just on just the basis of, you know, these adorable puppets doing these horrible things. It was like 
It was the 12-year-old version of Meet the Feebles for me. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, because I watch it now, and I'm just like, Jesus Christ, was it really that bad? And yeah, it was. It I was, caught it, it on cable horrible. about a year ago, Charlie, and I tried to sit through it. I kind of did this. I haven't seen this in a decade. I need to see if this is as bad as I remember it. After 15 minutes, I said, I can't do this. I just, nope, I'm done. Yeah, about three years ago, I paid five bucks for a DVD of this at a, at a Hot Topic. You hipster douche. I know. And I, I took it home and watched it. And I'm like, was it really this bad? Like, I, I'm fascinated by it now. Did, do you think your memory was playing tricks on you? You somehow remembered a better movie? I Yeah, I think it was. Like, I don't remember Mackenzie Aston being that screamingly gay in this movie. <laughs> I have watched this movie a lot in the past couple of years because I talked to people about how bad it is. And they're like, well, it can't be that pat bad because the Garbage Pail Kids cards were fun. I'm like, okay, then here, watch the movie. And I'm going to I'm gonna guess uh, they side with you afterwards, huh? Yeah, they side with me afterwards. They're like, is this, this, is this about pedophilia and slavery? Well, see, when I watch a movie like Garbage Pail Kids, the movie, it makes me wonder, no irony involved. How does nobody involved in the process, the producers, the writer, the director, the cast, nobody shut this thing down halfway when they realize this is the worst goddamn movie that's been made in a decade? Well, it was yeah. the, the 80s, man. People were doing cocaine and watching Max Headroom. Nobody knew what the hell was going on. Like, at no point did anybody say, why are they from space? Well, and then we move on to a movie, I'll admit, I've only ever seen on MST3K. I've never seen Hobgoblins unrift, so I don't know if the movie is less palatable, but the Mystery Science Theater of Hobgoblins is absolutely hilarious. I don't, I've never seen Hobgoblins. What is it about? Imagine Gremlins, it's a love story. But, yeah. Imagine Gremlins made with by no budget. People, with no budget and no talent. Okay, no, l- l- let's rephrase that, Charlie. Imagine the Munchies. With no ah, budget. There we go. That tells you how bad Hobgoblins is. Without William Ragsdale? Or no, Harvey Corman. The funniest thing about Hobgoblins is, though, is that it is so bad, it's good, and thanks to MST, it became popular. And the director misunderstood that popularity, and he made a sequel 20, 20 years, years later. Oh, yeah, gosh. he's like, people like Hobgoblins? Well, I guess I'm going to make a part two. And they're like, wait, no, they don't like we don't like it like that. We don't like like it. We only like it with Mike and the Bots. It's it's like it's like a movie version of Pat Boone's metal album. Except Pat Boone's metal album, and you could actually tell he was trying. Yeah. Oh God. All right. Now we move on to the 1988 atrocity, or I should say the 1988 90-minute commercial, Mac and Me. Oh God. I won't even try to defend hilarious. this. This film is a commercial. That's all it is. Okay, Michael Bay gets a lot of crap, rightfully so, for how much he sells out product placement in his movies. That's nothing. That's not even a tenth of what Mac and Me was. Mac Mac and Me was a goddamn movie designed to sell Coke and McDonald's. Mac and Me, though, is like the prototype for Asylum Mockbusters. It kind of is. I, I can see that. And here is the thing. I absolutely love an earlier picture by the director, Stuart Raffel. I love Ice Pirates. That oh, movie I, is hilarious. How Ice did he Pirates screw Mac and Me up like this? I'm, I'm guessing because Mac and Me was probably like an assignment to him. I mean, Ice Pirates, it was, it was just him being him, and Ice Pirates is awesome. Ice Pirates is hilarious where it's supposed to be. 
Mac and Me, I watched that twice in theaters when it came out, and I was eight, and I hated it both times. I mean, when they bring the alien back to life by giving it Coca-Cola, uh, I, I, even at eight, I wasn't buying it. Literally or that's, figuratively, that's, huh? That is why I now own stock in Pepsi and only drink Pepsi products because of Mac and Me. Way right. to go there, Coke. All right, then we move on to the 90s to what is notoriously called the modern Plan 9 from Outer Space. And again, I'm not quite sure. I, I don't enjoy this movie on that so bad it's good level that unfortunately most of America seems to today. Troll 2 is a bad movie. Mm-hmm. But again, I've seen worse. I, I've seen Troll. <laughs> I think that's that you know that's worse to a certain extent. But that at least had production values. Charles Band at least tried with Troll. Yeah. And there was a troll in Troll. Yeah, there yeah. was. <laughs> at least, at least had that. I don't know. I there's there's nothing good to say about Troll Two at all. Let's just move on then, since we're low on. Well, hey, I'm gonna talk right, to that. Right. <laughs> I'm not done with this. I like Troll Two for the same reason I like any Italian ripoff movie. That they're, they're fun, and it, it's it's a very Italian ripoff movie from Claude Fragas. Claudio Fragasso. Yes, but I just call him Claude Fragas. Why don't you call him Drake Floyd? All right, and then we move on to this film. As a fan of the, as a huge fan of the first film, Highlander to the Quickening is one of the worst films ever made. It's a film that was seemingly designed to destroy every bit of quality and pleasure you got from watching the first film. That's the only way I can sum up how god awful. Highlander 2 The Quickening is. Incidentally, the only Highlander movie I've seen. And that's because the, that's because it was Highlander 2. It turned me off to watching the others. I watched Highlander 2 and I'm like, well, F Highlander, it sucks. No, the first Highlander's damn good, right, Charlie? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, Highlander 2 is actually another good memory of mine with my dad. Because, like, my dad and I watched movies all the time. And as soon as Highlander 2 came out on video... Uh, we didn't see it in a theater. Uh, he was, he's a huge fan of the first one and of Sean Connery in general. And then we rented Highlander 2. We got about 40 minutes in, and he is just sitting there biting his fingernails. He just looks over. He's like, do you want to turn this off and not watch the rest of it? I was like, yeah. Well, he made it longer than the director of the film. He walked <laughs> out of the premiere after 15 minutes. Later. So, yeah, Highlander 2 is notorious for being one of the worst films of all time, and it deserves it. That film pissed me off more than you can know and okay highlander 3 it was better basically just because it wasn't highlander 2 and then of course they had to go and blow the little bit of momentum that they had built with 3 with highlander endgame that just sealed the fate of the franchise and and then the source just showed up and raped that whole franchise but i'm not going to get into that again you can watch spoonie's review because he's not wrong at all now we move on to a film I have not seen and, since uh, it came out in 1994. North. North. Uh, I don't oh think this film is is bad as much as so brutally misguided. Yeah, I, I actually I never understood really the intentions of North because it doesn't work as a drama because it's so shallow. Doesn't work as a comedy because it's not funny. I think it's because Rob Reiner hates people that aren't white. Yeah, I think... trying to say that with that movie. 
Yeah, you could make a really good case for that. I mean, because I have never, ever liked Rob Reiner for any reason, and North is perfect representation of why. It came out the year after I got out of high school. I'd like to watch it now and see just, since I know how much my sensibilities have changed, if I would give it more of a pass or if I would hate it even more. I'm not sure which way I'd go on that. Well, ABC Family shows it every now and again. You can watch it intercut with twi- uh, commercials for Twilight. All right, now we move on to a film that I really didn't think this movie was that bad. I do not think Showgirls deserves the reputation it, it has. Now, honestly, it's not a good movie. Don't get me wrong there. Okay? <laughs> Don't put words in my mouth. It's not a good movie. Worst film of all t- of the 90s up to the, that point? In 1995, this was called the worst film of the 1990s. I don't think by a long shot it deserves that reputation. There was worse that came later, but as of 1995, it was, it, it could have been. I laugh watching Elizabeth Berkley go down on Muad'Dib in a pool. Yeah, that's that's one way, and I have on good, good authority that Jowski just received a brand new DVD copy of Showgirls 2. Yes, I did. <laughs> Pennies from heaven? Yep. Pennies from heaven. Well, now we move on to a film I've never made it all the way through. Now, I do not know if Biodome actually, as the rumor goes, because I've heard from quote-unquote credible sources on both sides that that movie was intended to be Bill and Ted 3. Biodome, I was like your dad, Charlie, with Highlander 2. I got about 45 minutes in and just went, I'm not doing this anymore. I, I don't I don't believe it as Bill and Ted 3. Uh, I, I can't see how that would fit in. But... Just based on its own merits, it's it's awful. I mean, it's it, it's justification of all the hatred Polly Shore gets now. Well, first of all, I mean, I've never understood that whole Polly Shore thing. Even before the Weasel, back when he was on Twenty One Jump Street and Married with Children, he couldn't act then. No. How did he get a career out of not being able to act? Well, he started pretending yeah, he was well, high. And he did the exact same character in every single movie from. From Encino Man up it's to Biodome. And I hated all of them. I think Jury Duty was the one that finally killed him. Oh, no. Son-in-Law was the one where I just said, you know what? I'm never watching something with Polly Shore in it again. And I, I, I gave him a shot. I thought he would have matured, so I watched Polly Shore is Dead. And you've got nothing. He just goes back to the same character that can't act. I don't think we need to pick the worst one. I think they're all equally abysmal. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I don't know, what really did it, like, wh- what really killed Biodome for me, because it could have been a good idea, people getting trapped in a biosphere experiment, it could have been awesome, but just the way they executed it, you don't feel for the characters that are supposed to be the heroes. I mean, because you have Polly Shore and Stephen Baldwin, which does not help at all. I don't know. There's just nothing good about these characters. And that's even pre-insan. That's even pre-religious insanity. Stephen Baldwin too. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's way way before his his weird rebirth as a Christian, which I still don't comprehend. But uh, I don't know. I mean, you start to feel for the scientists because they're actually trying to do something, and these idiots, irresponsible jackasses, are screwing it up. And uh, I don't know. It's just an awful movie. It's asking us to. You know, to follow these characters, and nobody, nobody in the right mind would want to. Batman and Robin, 1997. Yeah, the, the, this film deserves the vitriolic hatred it has. Yeah. Yeah, it makes me miss Showgirls. Well, speaking of that, I actually like an Alan Smithy film, Burn Hollywood Burn. As do I. Think I think the film is goddamn funny. Eric Idle is great in that. 
I, I, I just love the the fact that most of that movie is probably more of an accurate portrayal of Hollywood than anyone in Hollywood wants to admit. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And Coolio is brilliant in it. Dr. Dre's not bad either. Yeah. Oh, as the other brother brother. Does. I will give it credit for one line. It's when the movie within the movie that they say which is worse than Showgirls. Trio. Yeah, they say this is worse than Showgirls. Do you know who says was, that? Joe Estrahouse, the writer of Showgirls. Yeah, the writer of Showgirls and this movie. Well, that's, then that's we, the one moment I'll give it. Then we move on to, and I saw Battlefield Earth in the theater. Do you, think, you. do you guys think Battlefield Earth is as bad? I mean, it's bad, no doubt. Do you think it is the new watermark? Because every film that comes out now that's bad gets called the Battlefield Earth of such and such year. Do you think it deserves that reputation? Absolutely. It's just awful. There's nothing good about it. It it makes no sense. It is stupid. It's overproduced. It is everything bad that can happen to a movie happen to Battlefield Earth. It's awful. I saw this movie in theaters. I mean, I wasn't intending to. I wasn't familiar with the source material or anything until I read just every single horrible review for this movie and like, I'm sold. Yeah, I, I called this movie when I walked out of it, Plan 9 from the Planet of the Cyclos. All right, now we move on to a film that, yes, I do consider this, if not the worst film of all time, in the top five. There is absolutely nothing, not a single redeemable frame of Freddy Got Fingered. It's nope. offensive. It's reprehensible. It's, it's horrible. Yeah, it's 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 bad. I got... I even I really really liked Tom Green up to this point when he had a, the his talk show on MTV. Loved the guy. Can't stand this movie. I, mean, is... I walked out of it not because I was bored or hated. I was personally offended by the movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I a lot of the things I just said about Biodome, I could say about the character in Freddy Got Fingered. Then we move on to Ballistic X versus Sever, and I'll tell you this right now: I worked at a movie theater. I sold two tickets for the one week that we ran this movie. And one, one, of, one of them, one of those tickets wanted their money back. This movie is awful. I've heard rumors that the director's cut makes a little bit more sense and is a better film. I don't have the intestinal fortitude to give it a try, though. Yeah, big deal. It'd be like getting stabbed instead of being shot. Yeah, I've never, I've never seen it. It's, it's awful. You're missing nothing. A- Alex, you guys get to school me on why the room is not a terrible movie. Because I did not hit her. I did not. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. Oh, hi, Mar. The that, room. Th- th- that's why you like it? That's why I love it. I Oh, that one. Oh, my God. Tommy Wiseau, yeah. Yes. Oh, it was hilarious. Oh, that's a funny story. All right, and then we've got Giggly, uh, Geely. Gobble, no, gobble, were, gobble. Right. It's turkey time. Yeah, turkey th- time? this film's pretty irredeemable. I don't know. Christopher Walken talking about pie. Yeah, and you've also got Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez, and it doesn't work. Yeah, I've often wondered what Chasing Amy would be like without any intelligence. We've got the 2004 Halle Berry Not Catwoman movie. Me, ouch. Terrible. I just, I, I want to hear the pitch meeting. Like, yes, it's about a woman dressed as a cat, but it's not Catwoman. And it's not really connected to the Batman franchise, but we're going to sell it like that, and... And, and yeah, we're, we're not even gonna, really gonna try. Okay, as long as you can get Benjamin Brad in there somewhere, let's do it. Then we've got Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2. 
Oh, it's probably I, I, not as bad as the third one that just came out. I didn't know there was a third one, but oh my god, I I didn't think something could actually make the first Baby Geniuses look like a good film. Well, its sequel does. And here's here's the movie with the here's the here's the thing. My problem with the Baby Genius movies. Who were these made for? The jokes are all the, the the jokes are all over the head of kids. It's made for pedophiles. Yeah, it's like, who were you making these movies for? You're clearly not making them for kids, and you're clearly not making them for adults. You're not making them for teens. Who are you making these Baby Genius movies for? That's why I think Baby Geniuses 4 should be Human Centipede 3. I'm just, all all I can say about Baby Geniuses uh, is when I said out loud, well, it's no look who's talking. I never felt like killing myself more in my life. Now we move on to a film that, yep, even during our interview with Uwe Boll, I admit it, I really liked this film. I liked, oh, he, al- I liked Alone in the Dark. I'm sorry. I yeah, did. U- Uwe Boll had some choice words to say about Tara Reid. Yes, he did. <laughs> I, 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 you know what? I respect the hell out of that man. And I like Alone in the Dark. Seriously, I would put House of the Dead maybe on this list. But Alone in the Dark? Really? I, I did not see Alone in the Dark. I've made it like... 30 minutes into that movie before just going, okay, I'm bored. Let's do something else. Oh, I hate you too. (laughs) Well, and then we've got our last two movies. We got 2008's Birdemic. Shock and Terror. I love that. I showed that movie to Charlie. I actually, here's the reason I don't like Birdemic (laughs) being called a bad movie. It feels like I'm picking on the retarded kid with Down syndrome as well. I did that too. I, I, I feel like I'm picking on the special needs kid and that I'm the asshole for doing so. Don't you, don't you like cover your mouth and still giggle when the autistic kid is being an ass? My God, he's eating spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just when when Jowski showed me Birdemic in his house, I, I guess you probably didn't believe it was a real film. You probably thought you were being punked at some point, right? I thought I was gonna crap my pants. I laughed that hard. It was like it was like the the van flying up into the sky in Christmas Evil. Well, and then we go out on a film I haven't seen yet. I know Charlie hasn't. I know Alex hasn't. But Charlie, do you remember on that what the fuck episode where where we debated the night movie forty three opened that this was going to set a new standard for bad movies? Just you know having viewed the trailer. Yeah, and it, look, I, it looks I, like history has borne out our ideal. Right. I really wanted to give it every benefit of the doubt I could before it came out because I don't know. I just I don't I don't like judging comedy before I, I see it because a joke as it's supposed to be cut down into a trailer can sometimes kill it. So I didn't want to base my opinion on the trailer, but I don't think I'm ever going to have to see this. R- Richard Roper called it so aggressively tasteless. It is the Citizen Kane of awful. It currently has a 4% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. That is the lowest major theatrical release in decades. Yeah, because a lot of the others that have even lower ratings weren't major theatrical releases. They were like open to nobody. They were video or drive-in movies or something. This is one of those, oh my god, what in the hell were you thinking releasing this to theaters? This thing got a huge release too. It was everywhere. I think it was nationwide, and no one went to see it. Nope. And and, and I, those that did regretted it. I read a comment by one of the producers, you know, one of like the 900 producers on this film, 
since it's a group of shorts. That said, the audience didn't get it. And, you know, th- there was the, the negative word of mouth is stopping real people from seeing it. And th- they're pulling a, oh, yeah, this isn't that bad. Stop calling it so bad. Wait, like, wait, the, 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 the negative word of mouth is stopping real people from seeing it? So what, critics are fake people? It's, yeah, who do you think the word of mouth is coming from? Yeah, the word of mouth is coming from the critics, so they're blaming the critics overanalyzing the movie, which is throwing off your average Joe six-pack who might go see it and they think might really enjoy it. If the critics hadn't, hadn't savaged it, then they might make some money. Get over yourself, you pretentious cocksucker. You made a piece of shit. Move on to the next piece of shit. Where can we find the Marquis de Suede? Geekjuicemedia.com Where can we find Charlie the Fister McMullen? People that don't listen to what the fuck won't get that. You can also find me on geekjuicemedia.com. You can find me popping up uh, semi-regularly on all of Mr. Hadley's fine programs. Twitter, Facebook, and corner of Fifth and Grand. And you can find me at 1201beyond.com and the same geekjuicemedia.com. And you can contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Try not to make a bad movie, people. Good night. Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine. Milton, part of thieves, wild cord of my sleeve, thick heart of stone. My sins, my own, they belong to me, me. Look at the wind.